Hey, it's Jed Hearn, host of Wizards, Warriors, and Words. If you're enjoying the writing advice on this show, you might like my new podcast, The Jed Hearn Show, where every week I share the best fantasy writing advice that I've learned from publishing three fantasy novels and a best-selling video game. There's over 12 episodes that you can listen to right away, including my top 10 fantasy books of all time, how to make fantasy names that don't suck, two rules that make writing effortless, and my complete summaries of Brandon Sanderson's and Neil Gaiman's writing classes, and much more. Check it out by searching for The Jed Hearn Show in your podcast app. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hello and welcome to Wizards, Warriors and Words, a fantasy writing advice podcast. I'm Jed Hearn, author of Fires of the Dead. And I'm joined by my co-hosts, Rob Hayes. Hello, I'm Rob Hayes, author of, let's go with, uh, Along the Razor's Edge. Dirk Ashton. Hi everybody, I'm Dirk, author of the Paternus Trilogy. And Michael Fletcher. Blackstone Heart, maybe, I think. I think I wrote that one. <laughs> no, actually, Rob wrote that one. I did, I did. Yeah. Excellent. I was wearing your skin at the time. <laughs> <A Dirk's laughs> Take better care of it next time. <laughs> I love and... like out of context. Uh, context that's going to sound really dark. Yep. <laughs> Particularly since the connection like cut out for a couple of those words, so it just sounded like wearing your skin. Take better care of it. That was <laughs> anyway, um, this is a listener Q and A episode, so we've got a couple of questions lined up from our wonderful listeners. If you have any questions that you want to send into the podcast, uh, give us an email, wizardswarriorswords at gmail.com or just message me on Twitter or something like that um, or any of the other social media pipes and the questions will potentially be answered on a future episode. So the first one comes from Axel Ekstrom who asks, I've got this idea that I want to gather a group of unique characters with vastly different backgrounds who come together to <clears> overcome <throat> something, a kind of fellowship trope, I guess. My problem is just... I'm not sure how I'm actually going to bring them together in the story. So I guess my question is, what are some ways to do that? And how have you solved this kind of problem if it has come up for you? What are our thoughts on this? I'd, I'd uh, cheat and just start with them together. Yeah, that's always a good solution. Cut out know, like, see what? Just launch straight into it. No, they're together. And that, that's all backstory bullshit. And, you know, you well, can kind of mention it throughout the book. Yeah. People yeah. love flashbacks. I mean, I mean, there are a lot of really, I mean, that's, that's kind of the way the blade itself starts, right? Is, well, you've got, you've got um, uh, Logan Ninefingers um, 
on a being chased, but then it's the group of them that have been split up and they're together and you don't, you kind of learn over, over a period why they're together. Um, uh, and then one of them gets a mess, Logan gets a message and has to go, or somebody comes to get him and he has to go see a wizard. Um, and, or, you know, I mean, there's, there are all the, all the tropes, which get used again and again, but, but people like them, you know, um, a regular person, farm boy, farm girl, whatever it is, has to, or people show up and take them away to go do something, you know, um, there are, there are just so, so many ways to do that. The important thing though, is to come adventure. Um, and that, that I think would be be the main point how do you come up with that think about ones you like mix and match some ideas um try to do something Steel. a little bit new but familiar yeah a little it's, it's bit always I mean, a good one. like find some some books which use a similar sort of uh you know style with diverse characters coming together and and give them a read and see see what you come up with in in your head a, a good one i uh did with Never die was to add a bit of uh, you know conflict. Is to have the characters start off by fighting each other constantly, uh, mm -hmm. and then realize that yep. they have to work together for the greater good, or because some creepy little child says you have to. Yes, yeah. Somebody, somebody invokes it, recruits them, finds them, or they're already together, or somebody comes and gets the main character. You know, basically, well, that's like Kings of the Wild, where works. they they used to be friends, and you know, somebody's getting the band back together. You know, there's there's yep. there's a lot of, of ways to do it, and a lot of them might be sort of you know cliches, trope, whatever. But as long as you do it right, that doesn't matter. You know, right? Uh, tropes are sort of there for a reason, and and they they actually make people feel comfortable um, because they understand them without having to work at it. That's what yeah. I find anyway. Yeah, absolutely. Awesome. All right. I uh, hope that helps, Axel. Uh, our next question comes from Markham Alistair, who asks, uh, how do you guys avoid the whole editing while writing and just focus on writing? I have a tendency to edit as I go instead of just writing and focus on editing at the end. First of all, is that the process you guys use? Do you just try to write it all first and then edit at the end? Or are you sort of like editing along the way? And yeah, what do you, what do you kind of find beneficial for those approaches? I try to write the whole story first and then I'll go back <clears throat> yeah. and edit. I'll make a ton of notes as I'm going for things to go back and sort of fix or change or add or whatever. Um, but yeah, I, I tend to try and get to the end uh, before I then go back and give it a, a proper edit through. Um, I'll, I'll do a little bit of editing here and here and there, usually of the chapter that I'm writing if I think, oh, actually I'm just gonna go change that quickly. But once I move on to the next chapter, that's it. I've moved on to the next chapter until then I get to the end of the story and I go back and, and edit. Um, but that, that's just the way that I work. And I know plenty of authors who um, they edit as they go and mm -hmm. it works for them. And if they, if, if they can make it work for them, then that's yeah. fine. Do it that way. Yeah. Um, it's, it's taken me a while to figure out what works, what works for me. And the only way, that I get it. I have to. I mean, but I I, I do spend a few weeks or a month 
or more sometimes. Um, uh, can you guys hear me? I saw an unstable video connection thing. Yeah, you up. dropped out for a bit, but you're back now. Okay. But uh, I just have to sit down and write. I, I have a certain amount of words that I want to get through a day to, to meet a schedule. And um, once I spend some weeks or, or a month or even two thinking about it and writing down an outline, because I am a plotter, um, I just have to keep writing. And if I go back and edit, um, the first book I did, I would go back in, edit, rearrange, um, to, to get sometimes to get warmed up for the day, it's not a bad idea to go back a few paragraphs and just reread a little bit, maybe change a few words around, but don't spend much time on that and then get going. I think that that can help a lot, but um, uh, I really have to just get it down and then realize it's like, you know, Abercrombie or any number of other people say, um, just, you know, throw the sand in the sandbox. You can bake it into castles later or drag the log <clears throat> into the shop. You can, you can, uh, uh, you can uh, do the fine sculpture later. Right now, you're just dragging that log in. Um, I will stop if I, uh, to save myself some time, I will stop on occasion, um, a third, half, two thirds of the way through a book and re-outline. Um, and what that does is it, it, it keeps me, I rarely throw stuff away. Um, I will trim pieces, but I rarely throw away full chapters or or start or have to start over. Um, that's never happened, luckily for me. And I think it's just because I'm I do outline and plot quite a bit. Awesome. What about you, Mike? What's your approach? Uh, I'm pretty much with Rob. I tend to write through until I'm done, and then go back and edit. Um, I will sometimes if I'm just not in the mood to write, but you know, I still feel like I have to do something. Mm -hmm. I'll, I'll go back and sort of, uh, edit like the previous chapter kind of thing to get my brain sort of in the word mode. Mm -hmm. I think the, uh, one of the biggest problems that I see a lot of new writers have is that they get stuck in not thinking what they've written is any good after five chapters in or just one chapter in or halfway through the book. So they go back and start over or they, they go back and rewrite. They've written the same chapter five times and they've never gotten past chapter one. Just write it, just get it all out. And I am, I am convinced when I'm doing that writing really fast, but ignoring the wording and, and just, I know what needs to happen. So I just need to get that crap down. I, uh, and forcing myself not to fix typos cause I'm a terrible typist and I'm <laughs> slow. And um, I, I uh, keep going and I'm generally convinced that it sucks um, all the way through a whole draft. Then when I go back, um, I actually find that a lot of it that's like, um, I'll even have like uh, the new chapter location describe stuff here in brackets, right? And then I'll go back and search for those. But then I'll just type out like four or five, you know, descriptors for, for the environment. I'll even find that that half of that stuff, I just keep, it's like, go well, that's uh, The last book was so long, it almost killed me. Uh, 235,000 words, it just... 
the edit almost almost killed me because there was so much so i've sworn never ever to write a book that long again but now i now i know better awesome all right uh next question is this is this is a bit of a sort of open-ended one but the question is uh how do you guys feel about books that have sequels of between five and ten books do you feel this is too much and that comes from uh, gamer discipline is the username of the person who submitted that so i suppose we can just use this to talk about our general feelings towards long series and how we have sort of decided to tackle those or not tackle those in our writing who wants to is it is it too much from from what standpoint i mean you know yeah long series definitely aren't marketable marketable i mean game of thrones not marketable uh um what do you say anderson's latest one not marketable malazan nah um <laughs> so uh, there there's there's no problem with longer series at all i mean they're obviously incredibly uh successful they're incredibly profitable as well um so if you've got a story that can go on for for five six ten whatever books to it yeah i mean i i per uh i mean there are two sides as a reader and a writer like rob said you know as a as a, as a writer, I don't know how people do it. I mean, I don't think that I could write anything longer than three or four books. I really just don't see how uh, people can can do that. And you know, even like Harry Potter, um, how do you just keep? Now, the nice thing is she had a structure. There was a year in school for each one, so she just had to come up with a thing so that was kind of cool but then to keep it going but the the adventure ones um i i have a real hard time thinking how do you possibly and then i read i mean as a reader i i really do like long series but i don't read very many i very rarely read them simply because i feel i need to get a sense of a lot more kinds of writing um the, there are a few that I've stuck with, uh, but I don't, um, I don't, even trilogies very often, I don't finish them. Um, there are some that I, that I do, but it's just, I really, I, I, I get antsy. I, I want to try new things. I want to learn new things. And I'm, if I was a fast reader, that wouldn't be a problem, but I'm such a slow reader that, um, that, that it, it would take me, it would take me literally years to read something like Malazan. And I just, I just time, I cannot get myself to devote that and just ignore everything else for, for that long of a time. Sure. I've got the sneaking suspicion, the Obsidian Path trilogy might be two trilogies. I think book three, I'm going to try and wrap it up, but the story is, is too uh, or if I might just sort of do a second. Sorry, Mike, we just lost you for a couple yeah. of seconds. Then. Yeah, you were just saying. Yeah, we lost the story. Uh, my internet. Yeah, it, it might. I might do two two trilogies to tell the whole Got story. It. Why? Not sure. Why wouldn't you just make it six books? Uh, because I, I want the tr the first trilogy finished, so I can market it as finished. Uh, put out an omnibus edition, and you know, like do do that. I don't want it open ended because there are. A shit ton of people who won't buy book one until the series is done. Mm. So if I if I yeah, call yeah. it a trilogy and there's a good end point at book three, I will that'll be the first trilogy. 
uh, you know, it'll it'll be kind of a um, uh, Stephen R. Donaldson. It's actually a good way to structure it for yourself as well. Um, I've, I've kind of done that with uh, Esker's book uh, books, like the, the first three books, uh, The War Eternal, are a trilogy, but there are going to be two more books. It's all part of the same series, but I'm structuring it as a trilogy and a duology because um, it makes more sense in my head to write it that way. But they all are part of the same series. That's That's just the way I've decided to do it and I think it's it can help to get yourself get your get the stories right in your head basically I find yeah I definitely think the trilogy structuring idea is really useful I know that um Derek Lander who writes the Skullduggery Pleasant series he's up to like book 13 at the moment or something in that but he said how he structures that in sets of trilogies so the first trilogy is about one specific type of obstacle and then the second trilogy is like a different organization is sort of the main villains in each of those books and it definitely is like a good way to sort of yeah have enough closure in each three book set that readers feel that you can actually you know get a satisfying sense of conclusion to it while also having that like comfort of knowing that there's going to be more books in the series and that you can like really sink your teeth into this long immersive experience so yeah, I think um, at the end of, like the first trilogy and the second trilogy, if you've mm. got more coming, so people are like, "Oh, I want to read more." Not, "Oh, it's done." Exactly. Yeah. So that's the other thing is like, yeah, you're still putting those hooks in so that people, you know, are, are interested to keep pursuing future books in that um, as well. Uh, next question. By the way, Fletcher just dropped an exclusive. By the way, like, yeah, actually, let's just. You heard it here first on the Wizards, Warriors, and Words podcast. Oh, and now Fletcher's screen just went dark. <laughs> yeah, it's back. I, I don't know what's going on. My internet's a little shaky today. Hmm. You're back now. Yeah, you're good right. at the moment. Uh, all right, maybe cool. this can be one of the second last question, or maybe the last one, depending on the answers. Um, Cade Kessler asks, "How do you go about balancing popular tropes versus unique content?" Hmm. It's a good question. I have no idea. <laughs> uh, is there unique content? Oh. What is it? There's nothing new under the sun. Uh, yeah. I, I, as I've said before, I, I, I think that tropes are incredibly useful um, as a way of giving the reader familiarity um, that they don't have to work at to understand. Um, which is a good way of just sort of endearing them to story or characters or whatever. It's sort of pre-packaged. Yes, you could say it's a bit lazy, but at the same time, it, it's sort of, it's that thing that they just, they can understand and they can familiarize themselves with straight away. And it's just, and, and there's a, a sort of sense of um, belonging with it that they, they just connect with easily. Um, but you always want to try and, you don't want to just have tropes, obviously. You do want to have some unique uh, content. As for the actual balance of it, I don't know, man. I just do. Yeah, I, I feel like tropes yeah. are something for the reviewers and the readers to worry about, not so much for the writer. Have we lost him again? I dropped out yep. again. I totally agree with that, though. There was, like when I was going through, because like we recently just recorded the bad reviews episode, which I'm not sure if that came out before or after this one for our listeners, but. Yeah, there was one tro there was one <laughs> review 
there was literally just the reviewer or pointing out like a bunch of tv trope pages that like vaguely were reflected in this book they're like oh this book has like a crap sack world with like this particular type of morality or whatever and it was basically just like them going hi gotcha i found a trope here gotcha i found another trope here and it's like that's yeah. not really the point like the point is how they're <laughs> used in the book so yeah, that's one of mine. I've, I have seen the word crapsack used for my world, uh, mm. my first Earth world, many times. Take it as a compliment. <laughs> I mean, better to have a sack than to not have a sack for that sort of stuff. I don't know how that works. <laughs> Damn. I wanted, to, I wanted to hear what Mike was saying, but it looks like we lost him again. Are you back? Um, on one Mike? thing that I, one thing, one thing that I, I mean, the, the, the major impetus uh, for Paternus, besides all these weird ideas of my love of mythology and all these things I had wanted to do for so long, is that I I love books like um, like Rick Riordan's um, books. I love like um, The Secrets of the Immortal, Nicholas Flamel uh, by Michael Scott, and you know any number of like teen grade school even or or YA books that that deal with mythologies and you know the possibilities of mythologies being real but these same kinds of like stories about these young people that 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 move through the world um i wanted that same kind of story but for grown-ups right um for adults with like adult thoughts and wishes and a little more complex um physics, metaphysics, ideas, philosophically, metaphysically, whatever. Um, I wanted to go, I wanted, you know, grown up stuff with a lot more nasty, you know, more realistic nastiness of violence and people think about, actually think about sex and, you know, uh, at least, um, and I wanted that and I just wasn't seeing it so much other than in, honestly like pnr you know kind of stuff um paranormal romance but i didn't want to do a pnr and i didn't want to do wolf shifter man kind of stuff i wanted much more like a weird uh nicholas flamel kind of feel to it but for grown-ups um and i thought american gods was going to be that um but it's not it's not what i was particularly looking for um, so I'm like, okay, all these ideas I've had, it sounds to me like, like, this is the book that I want to write, like that, that I need to write. So pulling a lot of tropes, um, I put, I put it together, but with adding all these other crazy ideas, um, for, for, for the story. So I would say, um, to answer that question is think about, all the books that you read and that you love and have you seen this particular angle, this particular type of character, this is there something you really want to see that you just haven't seen or haven't seen the way you'd like it to be told. Right. Um, and I think that that might help. Yeah. There's no problem with using a trope, but maybe see if you can twist it slightly. Put your own little spin on it. Yeah, well, think about think about what you'd like to see. I mean, yeah. 
What are you missing in the books that you've read? Somebody may have done it. We can't all read every book, but um, it's just, what do you want to see? I mean, what would you like to see in a book? Uh, and then do that. Awesome advice. And yeah, I think the useful way to think about tropes is just as tools and like any tool can produce a good result or it can produce a bad result. And it's just up to your skill to decide how that's going to be. Um, all right. Well, I think that wraps up our listener questions episode. If you have any questions that you want to send into the show for us to answer on future listener question episodes, uh, just send us an email, wizardswarriorswords at gmail.com. The email address will also be in the show notes for this as well. Um, thank you so much for listening and we will see you next time. Bye, everybody. Bye. Thanks, everybody. Thank you for listening. If you like this episode, please go ahead and share it with two of your writing friends. It'll make you look smart, and you can tell them there's a special message waiting for them at the end of this episode. And if you are the person who is listening to this episode because your friend told you about it, first of all, thanks to your friend. And second of all, here's your message. You have an awesome friend. You should reward them by perhaps making them a character in your next book and then killing them off in a gruesome death. Thanks for listening, and we'll be back next week. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.